Desert Diaries. Hello, Arizona calling. Well, actually, no. <laughs> I'm completely lying to you. I'm not in Arizona at all. This week, I am in New York City. I am currently sitting on the patio of a hotel bar in Soho in Manhattan, drinking a glass of wine, and frankly, all is very well with the world. We arrived yesterday after leaving Arizona in what is being called a historic mega drought. It all sounds very Marvel comic book film, doesn't it? Historic mega drought. Basically, it hasn't rained for a really, really long time. And remember that day, that one day of double digits heat last week? Yeah, well, that's over. Uh, <laughs> I think the weather gods clearly went, sorry, that was a huge error on our part. Didn't mean to have that seasonably cool day. So here's a massive blast furnace to make up for it. Yeah, the weather has been off the scale hot this week. I'm talking temperatures of 47, 48. That's around sort of 117, 118 Fahrenheit. And although those temperatures aren't out of the ordinary for Arizona, that's the kind of madness you see in late July and August, not in mid-June. I mean, I took the dogs for a walk at 10 o'clock the other night in the evening, just as the wind started to whip up. And it was genuinely like being blasted in the face with a hairdryer for 20 minutes in the dark. It's just like nothing you've ever experienced. It's really quite extraordinary. There's of course a lot of concern from scientists about these temperatures and the lack of rain as things have been steadily getting hotter and drier in Arizona for decades now. Just 10 years ago about 25% of Arizona experienced the highest level of drought during the summer. Now already this year the stated is over 90% of that highest super drought. Arizona gets a third of its water from the Colorado River and Lake Mead and the lake which was formed by the building of the Hoover Dam on the Colorado River this week reported the lowest levels of water since the 1930s. That was when the lake was constructed. I mean, this is serious stuff. The mayor of Phoenix, Kate Gallagher, has said there's no reason to panic. They've been planning a drought like this for years. And in fact, Phoenix entered a sort of water sharing scheme with Tucson, the second city, a few years back. Any of the water allotted to Phoenix from the Colorado River that stayed unused was still taken and then stored in massive underground reservoirs in Tucson. As and when Phoenix runs out of water, it then releases some of the stored water to Tucson for them to use and then Phoenix takes some of Tucson's Colorado River water. You keeping up here? I mean, it's quite a scheme. With all this in mind, I do still find it utterly astonishing how many people still have vast green lawns outside their houses, which they have to douse with so much water twice a day. Number one, huge water bills. When we first moved into our house, uh, the landlord still had these big lawns. We've got rid of them. And he had the water running twice daily. Our water bill for August last year was $600 just for water. We put pay to that. Garden looks amazing now, but more like a deserty garden, of course. I mean, I just don't really understand why, as I said, people would want to waste all that money on a lawn that clearly does not want to be alive in the baking heat. But horses for courses, I guess. But if things continue the way they are, I'm not sure whether people are going to have the choice available to them in the future to have that big lawn. We'll see. 
I know the 600 plus golf courses have been approached to try and reduce their water consumption, nearly 450,000 gallons a day or as much water as 130,000 homes use. There's been a big pushback from the golf courses who point out that they add more than four and a half billion dollars to the Arizona economy each year. So it's not like the state can really afford to let them fall into ruin. Whatever happens, something has got to give. A huge storm whipped up actually on Tuesday night from a standing start. One moment I was just strolling across a car park to a local pharmacy. The next, it was like the apocalypse. The hairdryer wind was in full force and the air was full of dust and approximately three drops of rain fell that evaporated the second they touched my skin. Our swimming pool was full of palm fronds and leaves, which even though it was 11 o'clock at night by the time I got home, I then walked around the pool in my swimming cosy, collecting them all up with a big net. It was actually the coolest I'd felt all day. So we headed to the Big Apple on Wednesday morning for our family holiday, masked up on the five hour long flight. I do still find it amazing that you can fly for five hours and still be in the same country. You sometimes forget coming from a little dot of an island just how massive America is. We landed safe in New Jersey and then nipped across the water to Manhattan and oh, breathe. I just love it here so much. What a city dirty, I mean noisy as you can hear around me, ridiculously expensive. I eyed a house just on the edge of Washington Square Park earlier today. 13 and a half million dollars. Hi. <laughs> but what a city. Again, oozing with history. One minute you're walking past the cafe where Bob Dylan played his first ever set in Greenwich Village. The next you're on the street where Alexander Hamilton lived. Oh, I just adore it. And I cannot even explain how different it feels to Arizona. It's literally another country. I've said before on this podcast how the more time I spend in the United States, the more I see it not as one country in 50 states, but almost 50 different countries. Just talking to people here in New York City, it's like they're from a different country to a lot of the people I know in Arizona. You can understand why countless presidents have found it so hard to really make people feel like that they are part of the United States because gosh it's just such a different experience but one I love equally. We had a bit of a shaky start to the holiday when we woke up to find 17 missed calls from our house sitter oh, who'd managed to lock himself out of our house at midnight oh, and couldn't get back in. He'd lost the key, essentially. Luckily, our friend Brian came to the rescue and rushed over with his spare key at 7.30am once we'd got the message. I dread to think the state the two dogs, two cats, six fish and lizard had left the house in after nearly eight hours on their own. But they all had food and water and all was well. <laughs> what a shocker, though. Oi! We spent the day strolling around the East Village, Soho and the Lower East Side, eating far too many carbs and just soaking in the city. We popped into a t-shirt store that I really love on Orchard Street where the girls bought one Rolling Stones t-shirt and one Doors t-shirt. Their musical education is going well. And the man laughed raucously when I answered, Arizona, when he asked where we lived. Can't you tell from my accent, I said. We're not New Yorkers. When I explained how we were, of course, English and we'd moved from Manchester, he smiled. So you went from the green English countryside to the desert, he said. Good for you. I forget sometimes just how massive that move was for us all. It seems both like yesterday and 
a thousand years ago. The last time we were all in New York together as a family was five years ago when I sat in this very hotel bar wondering, is there any chance we could live in this country? How can we ever make this happen? Where do you even begin? The answer was, of course, you begin at the beginning and you take it one step at a time and then eventually you get to where you want to be. So cheers and I'll see you in the desert. (laughs) 